Well, good morning, Crosspoint. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, for those of you who are new, that's a little bit of a snapshot of what God's been doing uh, in our church. We're excited. We're having good days here. And if you are visiting with us here, we want to just extend a very warm welcome to you. In fact, church family, can we put our hands together and welcome our visitors? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope that you just feel right at home here today. I do want to make sure that everybody has message notes. Uh, if you know me, once you get to know me, you'll know that message notes are a big deal to me because every week when I go into sermon prep, every week that Steve speaks or Tammy speaks, we believe that we have received a message from God to give to you. So message notes are a big deal. They're back on the back table, but if somebody could go back there and just have some to pass out. If you don't have message notes, will you raise your hands? And uh, Becky and a couple of you, Robbie, uh, or, or I can't see Brent. Uh, there you go. Pass those out. I want to make sure all everybody gets message notes. I love to see the kids writing message notes. And I, I see some over here. We can get those passed out as they're passing those out. Let me just uh, again invite you to our fundraiser lunch today. The reason we're doing this is we want to connect with the community. OK, we're not doing trunk and treat simply because we want something on the calendar. This is our strategic way of connecting with our community. So be a part. We need a hundred of you to join and be a part and sign up. We need to raise seven hundred and fifty dollars here today. So uh, if God would lay it on your heart to write extra twenty five or fifty dollar check, we would uh, we would certainly love that. Maybe God would have somebody give one hundred dollars so we can get all of our blow ups and all the things for the community. Are we together on this trunk and treat thing? Yes. OK, good. I do want to invite you again to class this Saturday. If you'd like to know anything about Cross Point Church, I will do my best to answer any question. I try to be a very transparent pastor. So nine o'clock this Saturday. OK, and Brent mentioned the choir. Let me tell you how I audition people. OK, you guys ready? If I go like this, uh, uh, you're all in the choir. OK, <laughs> that's the audition right there. OK. As long as you can sort of kind of keep a, uh, a, a tone, that's great. Uh, we do want to have a good Christmas choir this year, so come and be a part of that. Today we are on part two of our vision series. And before we dig into the message this morning, I want us to review what we talked about last week because these messages really do build on each other. They are very much like building blocks. And so we've got the word vision up here. Sometimes life gets fuzzy, you know, sometimes life gets cloudy and we just can't quite tell what we're doing. We can't see where we're supposed to go and we need God to take a big old squeegee and go like that and clear the windshield of our lives so that we can see clearly where we're going. Vision, and I know that might be a word some of you aren't familiar with, uh, but vision is a big deal in our lives personally and corporately. Here's why. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Can you say that with me? Where there is no vision, the people perish. So vision is a big deal in our lives personally, and it is certainly a big deal here at Cross Point Church corporately, very important to our life. Let me share with you the basis 
for vision that we discovered together last week from God's word from the book of Nehemiah. It's right here, and I would like you to read this with me. And for those of you who weren't here last week, you will be caught up to speed because this is the summary of last week's message. Here we go. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion and moves us to action because vision is born out of God's heart and then birthed in the heart of man. Now, out in our secular world, we have vision. You know, we talk about vision. But listen, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to your spiritual life, my spiritual life, when it comes to what we are doing here as a church, this is how vision is born. It is first born in God's heart and then birthed in the heart of man. And we see this very clearly in the story of Nehemiah. Church, could I ask you to do something for me? If you have never read the book of Nehemiah, you need to read the book of Nehemiah. It is so interesting. And when you get to all the names, just say, oh, okay, a whole bunch of names onto the next part, okay? Just skip the names, okay? Forget them. I can't pronounce, you know, even a tenth of them. So just skip the names. But man, there is saying good, good, good stuff in the book of Nehemiah. Very culturally relevant. Let me give you a little background on Nehemiah, okay? Nehemiah was a cup bearer for the king, which means that he just sat around every day and drank wine before the king drank it. What a job to have, right? <laughs> the king was a name, guy named Artaxerxes, and Nehemiah lived in a tough time. He lived in a time that they had just been in exile, 70 years of exile, and so they are returning those who had survived the exile, they are returning from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And when they get there, Jerusalem is decimated. It lay, it lies in ruin. And this is the backdrop for the story of Nehemiah. The Bible says that when Nehemiah hears that the walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed and that they are just laying in a heap of rubble, the Bible says that he sat down and he wept. Now, that, here's why I mention this. Sometimes we think, well, when my life is all together, then I'll start working on vision. Can I just let you in on a little secret? It's when our lives are falling apart that we really need to be seeking God's vision. Vision is born in the Bible during some of the toughest times. And we're living kind of in a tough time. So vision is so necessary in our lives today. And this is the backdrop for the story of Nehemiah. Here's this guy so distraught and so moved that he's weeping. Let's read about it. If you want to follow along, this is in your Bibles in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It's what it says. Hanani, and Nehemiah is narrating this. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, some people he was hanging out with, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile, many people didn't survive, those who survived are back in the province, and they are in great trouble and disgrace. Here's why, check it out. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, Nehemiah said, I sat down and I wept. Now, let me ask you a question. Beyond the fact 
that he was sad because his home was destroyed. Why do you think Nehemiah wept so hard? Why was he so moved? I submit to you today that as Nehemiah was moved by the destruction of Jerusalem, his heart was also being deeply stirred and his heart was being moved by God. I believe that Nehemiah was thinking, you know what? Something needs to be done about the broken down walls in Jerusalem. And God ordained thoughts of vision started racing through the heart and mind of Nehemiah. Let me ask you another question. What was the first thing? This is so important. What was the first thing that Nehemiah did? Because this is the beginning, the very beginning of the story of vision. So it's important that we can pinpoint and go, aha, this is the first thing he did. Here's what we read next. Now, check this out. Very interesting. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And here's Nehemiah's point. First point of action for some days. Not for 10 minutes, not for an hour, not even for one day. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. No, that's not what it says. It says, I took the bull by the horns and I started drawing up plans to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I started a building campaign. I started rallying the troops. <laughs> no, it, it really does say what's up here on the screen. For some days, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's, check this out, Nehemiah's first course of action in living out vision was intercession. Write that down. Intercession. Let's put up our acrostic here if we can. In this vision series, we are going to spell an acrostic because I want this series to be with you for the rest of your life. Okay, now I know this word intercession is an old fashioned word, but it fits perfectly within our acronym. But it's also completely accurate. And here's why. Let me say it again, because Nehemiah's first course of action and living out vision was intercession church this is so important for us to understand when god begins to move on our hearts and thoughts of vision start making our heart go boom 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 boom, boom the first thing we need to do is to spend time with god in intercession the bible says that nehemiah spent some days in intercession before he moved forward with vision so intercession, it must be a big deal to God. Talking to God must be a big deal to him. Connecting with God must be a big deal. Inquiring of God and seeking his heart, it must be a really big deal to God. And here's why. Vision is born out of God's heart and then birthed in the heart of man through intercession. Read that with me. Vision is born out of God's heart and then birthed in the heart of man through intercession. Before we talk about this, let's stop and pray. Practice a little bit of intercession and ask God to do his work this morning. Would you bow with me in reverence to the Lord? Father, we have 
sensed your presence in this place. And even now, we sense your presence. And Holy Spirit, before we dig into this message, one more time, I want to ask that you would close my mouth and that you would speak. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. Oh, Father, I pray that I would turn the spotlight on you. Jesus, flow through me. Holy Spirit, flow through me. Speak your eternal words. May we be changed because we have heard from you today. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Vision is born out of God's heart and then birthed in the heart of man through intercession. I want to share a story with you this morning about how I personally know that this is true from my own personal experience. In 1997, Edith and I moved here to Tampa, Florida, and we began working as ministers of music at First Church of the Nazarene. Before that, I had spent 20 years of my life being a musician. That's all that I knew. And so when we came here in 1997, I just thought as a 38-year-old guy, well, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm going to be a minister of music. Well, about a year later, 1998, here's what happened. Revival began to break out at First Church of the Nazarene. And some of us were praying about two hours on Monday morning. Some of us were praying about two hours on Wednesday night. A group of us were meeting and praying two or three hours on Saturday. And so my life began to be enveloped with intercession. And a funny thing happened during intercession. God began to speak to my heart and he began to nudge me and he began to say to me, Harv, this is not the track that I'm going to have you on for the rest of your life. And God began to warm my heart and speak to my spirit about becoming a pastor. Well, at first I was like, really? You're talking to me? <laughs> And so, you know what I did? I went home and I thought, well, let me see what my good wife will say about this. And so I went home and I said, Edith, uh, you know, I know I'm 38, but I really, 39 actually, uh, I really am feeling like God has spoken to me that I should become a pastor. And my wife was like, you know, <laughs> you're the last person on earth who should be a pastor, Harv. <laughs> Remember how I married you? You were a long-haired hippie and, you know, about as wild as they come. And uh, she, was, she was a little skeptical at first. But, you know, we kept seeking God. I couldn't get away from it, so I started on the track. The Nazarene Church says, if you don't have a degree in theology, here's the 24 classes that you need to take. So I started digging through those classes. About 2000, something very interesting happened in our life. We went over to First Church of the Nazarene in Clearwater and we sang for a Sunday school convention. Our good DS, Dr. Larry Dennis, was speaking at the end. I'll never forget it. He said, if God is, is speaking to you about giving your life in a fuller way and going into the ministry in a deeper way, I'd like you to come forward. Edith and I immediately responded. We hit the altar and God spoke to both of us that day that, yes, indeed, we were supposed to be in the full time ministry as pastors. We walked out to our little car and I, I started the car because it was hot, as it usually is here in Florida. <laughs> and uh, I said, Edith, I got to talk to you. And she started crying. She goes, oh, I know God's called us to the ministry, hasn't he? We're supposed to be pastors. 
And it's like, yeah, you know, God, it's like what I said. No words of recrimination or anything, but, you know, this is what God's doing. He's, he's doing this cool work in our life. And so I said, uh, maybe we should go back in and talk to Larry Dennis. And so we went back in and talked to Larry Dennis, and he said, I'm going to work with you guys, and we're going to pray together, and God has a plan. Trust the heart of God. He's got a plan. Well, you know what happened? Very quickly after that, Mike Page, our senior pastor down at First Church, he left, and then a new pastor came in, a guy named Roger Golf, and then we came out here and planted Cross Point Church. Well, to be honest, I was thinking, I'm not getting any closer to living out this vision. And then I took a, even more of a detour. About four months after Crosspoint was planted, God called Edith and I specifically to Wichita, Kansas. And I was like going, wow, we don't want to go follow the Yellow Brick Road in Wichita. You know, there's nothing there. You know, it's just a big old cow town. But anyway, we went out there. I felt like we were getting further and further from this vision that God, I believe God had birthed in my heart. I want to tell you something. The year in Wichita for me was a year of mourning and fasting and praying. I'm not going to think about it. Otherwise, I'll begin to mourn and fast and weep and pray right now. <laughs> Woo! You know, it was a year of mourning and fasting and praying. You know, we didn't have a fence out there. So I used to take our dog Dakota on walks. Uh, that poor dog, I took him on two and three hour walks. Oh, God, you know, I was just I was so desperate, you know, because I felt like I was getting further and further from the vision. About eight or nine months after we had lived there, I told Edith, I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I can't do this. I said, I am going to the D.S., here in Kansas, I'm going to tell him that God has called me to be a minister. And if he has any church open anywhere with a parsonage, I don't care. If my pay is cut in half, I'm going. And she said, I'm right there with you. She knew. I want to tell you something, Crosspoint. It wasn't more than a week or two later that I received an email from Roger Golf saying, Harv, uh, Cindy and I feel called to go to Ohio. And... Uh, Sorry. Would you be interested in coming and interviewing at Crosspoint? I will tell you immediately, I, I did not respond positively. I thought, oh, no, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Again, I got my dog, Dakota. <laughs> Poor dog. <laughs> and we went out on a walk there in Andover. And if we could go to Andover, Kansas today, I could point to you the exact place where the Spirit of the Lord pressed in on me, I, I tell you, I almost fell to my knees. And he said, Harv, don't you see how I have orchestrated vision in your life? Don't you see it? This is what I have called you to do. And here we are entering into our 10th year of ministry here at Cross Point Church. You see... The Bible is chock full of truth. Vision is born out of God's heart, then birthed in the heart of man through intercession. And here's the part that's a little tough for us. That's why God sent me to Kansas. Intercession and Edith is the development of our relationship with God. Intercession is the development of our relationship with God. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you know Teens, I want you to look up here when I ask you this question. And new believers, did you know 
that your relationship with Jesus Christ can be cultivated just like the other relationships you have. It can be cultivated the very same way. You see, sometimes we think being a Christian is whole, you know, this religious thing. But it's really all about cultivating a relationship. Wednesday night in our life group, I was talking to Lon Williams. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. He's a great guy. And he said, Harv, everything in my life changed when I was a sophomore in college because for the first time in my life, I realized that being a Christian wasn't about rules. It wasn't about religion, but it was about a relationship with God. And he said, when I realized that I could have a relationship with God, everything changed for me. You see, Christianity is about developing a relationship. It's about being in community with someone. Now think about this. Let me ask you another question. All of us here have friends, right? I have friends. (laughs) How have you developed the relationships that you currently have? How have you developed those relationships? Go ahead and shout it out. Spending time. See, the first answer. Whether it's going to ABC Pizza or playing ball together or going out to eat and going to movies or whatever it is that we like to do, it's really this simple. We spend time with people that we want to cultivate a relationship with. Same thing with God, okay? Now watch this progression. If vision, don't miss this, if vision is born out of God's heart and then birthed in the heart of man, through intercession, and intercession is about developing and cultivating a relationship with God, doesn't it make sense then, as believers, that we should be very intentional on developing and cultivating our relationship with God? Doesn't that just make simple sense? Two plus two equals four? So, how do we do this? What steps do we take to practice this old-fashioned word called intercession. Make sure you have your message notes here because I want you to write these down. I'm going to give you five steps of practicing intercession. Step number one. Intercession is knowing God. Write that down. If the vision for our life has been born in God's heart, then it's important for us to get to know God. My daughter, Mackenzie, is 16 years old. She's in Gaither High School And uh, she is the smartest one of the family. She's taking three classes that are at college level right now. And when she started this year, she was saying, Dad, this trig class is just killing me. I I can't even say trigonometry, let alone understand the the class. And so I said, well, Ken, we'll, we'll help you get your schedule changed. But I said, could you do something for us first? Could you just meet with your teacher Could you just get to know your teacher just a little bit? Well, guess what? Kenzie said, sure, I'll do that. We met with her teacher. Kenzie and the teacher clicked big time. Now that teacher does a tutoring for her and any any student that wants to meet in the morning. And along with help from Tammy Williams, if you need help with trigonometry, there's our whiz right there. This lady is smart. (laughs) But guess what? Kinsey's doing great in trig today. She's doing great. And it started, watch this, it started with her getting to know 
her teachers. You see, listen, everything changes in relationship when we really get to know someone, right? Sometimes we're overwhelmed with this idea of vision, but if we could talk to this visionary named Nehemiah, he would say, that's exactly right. Vision begins by knowing God. And this is why intercession is so important in our lives. When we read the story of Nehemiah, you need to read the story. It is clear that Nehemiah knew God. Throughout the entire story of Nehemiah, we see that intercession is just a part of his life. Think about this. Before Nehemiah went to the king to ask him for permission to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, this is what we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4. Here's the king. He comes, or here's Nehemiah, comes to the king. The king says to me, Nehemiah, what is it that you want? So Nehemiah already has an audience with the king. He could have just blurted out his request, but instead, here's what we read. Nehemiah stands before the king and he pauses, and this is what he does. Check it out. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. I talked to the most powerful person I know before I took any steps of action and vision. I stopped and I took time to inquire of God. I took time for intercession. Then later on, when there is opposition to the rebuilding of the walls, Nehemiah in chapter 4, he pauses and we read these words again. But in the middle of this chaos we're in, in the middle of people trying to destroy this vision, Nehemiah says, we stopped and we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. People were trying to take them out. And then again, a little bit later on, as the vision is becoming a reality and the walls of Jerusalem are starting to be built up, Nehemiah and everybody's getting tired. The Bible says they didn't even take time to change their clothes. And the opposition kept coming. And we read these words. Nehemiah's talking again. He's saying all of our enemies, he says, they were all trying to frighten us. And they were thinking in their minds, their hands, the hands of the Israelites, will get too weak for this work and it will not be completed. And I love this next verse. This is a verse that I pray sometimes. But here he is. He stops again. He doesn't just get in their face or anything like that. It says, but I prayed. <laughs> Nehemiah said, oh God of heaven and earth, you have given this vision to me. It was born first in your heart, then birth in my heart. You see this battle that's going on. He's, and this is what he prays. He says, now strengthen my hands that's a good prayer oh god now strengthen my hands here's the point as nehemiah is living out the vision that god has given him with every step he takes time for intercession with every step he takes time for prayer and listen it's because he has developed a relationship with someone that he knows very well you know what, church? It's this simple. I've been thinking about it. The people that I know, the ones that I know that talk to God and really know God, they are the very people who are living out God-ordained vision 
in their life. It's really this simple. The more we know God, the more we know his vision for our lives. The more we know God, the more we know his vision for our lives. The first step to practicing intercession is knowing God. Step number two, intercession is seeing God. Write that down. In Nehemiah's opening prayer, he begins by saying, Oh God, I want you to know that I see you for who you are. Church, do you know why we begin every service with praise and worship? It is our way today of saying, Oh God, we see you for who you are. And we are acknowledging that we see you for who you are. Nehemiah prays and he says, you are the Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. God, I see you for who you are and you are a covenant keeping God. And then in verse 10, Nehemiah says to God, I am asking you for help. Because I know who you are. I see you for who you are. And you are our God. And we are your people. Then what does it say? Read this with me here. Whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. He's saying there is no one like you, O God. You are the redeemer of all mankind. You possess great strength. And with the wave of your hand, you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish and at the end of Nehemiah's prayer, he concludes this way, verse 11. He says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in, what does it say? Revering your name. Say that again. Revering your name. Listen, part of intercession is seeing God for who he is and worshiping him for who he is. And this is what it means to revere his name. This morning, we sang the song, Your Great Name. Did you catch the words? The sick are healed and the dead are raised by the sound of your great name. That's what it means to revere the great name of God. I wonder what would happen here at Crosspoint if we would begin to know God for who he really is and see him for who he really is. Here's the thing, church. When we know God for who he is and we see him for who he is, we begin to seek him. That's what happens. If we as a church would know God and see him, we would seek him and we would find him. When I was talking to Pat Glenn the other day, a good Nazarene pastor over in Clearwater, very church we sang at. He went over there about three years ago and he was sharing with us guys and he says, Guys, I want, I want you to know the reason why the vision of God is being accomplished at my church is because I have 40 people that come to the church. Some of them drive for 70 or 80 miles and they pray every Saturday night. They lay their hands on me. And he says, 100%, I give that group of intercessors, I give them the credit and what God is doing through them for the building of the vision at the church. He says we have moved from 75 people and a weak people and a weak church to over 300 strong in just a few years. Through intercession. Through intercession. You see, it's really this simple. The more we see God, the more we see his vision for our life. The more we experience his vision. The second step to practicing intercession is seeing God. Step three. 
Intercession is seeing ourselves. Write that down. I was with uh, some secular people yesterday, and when they found out I was a pastor, they started acting very differently. (laughs) And so I wanted to exonerate them, so I just said, hey, listen, I want you to know at at my church, I have no problem saying that I am a sinner saved by grace. I have no problem saying that. I, I have no problem saying that confession should be a lifestyle for us as believers because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully because this is an important part of vision, an important piece that I think sometimes maybe we miss. I think one of the reasons why God and Nehemiah partnered so well together in vision is because Nehemiah was authentic, he was real, he was humble, and he saw who he was in light of who God is. And in his prayer, in his time of intercession with God, Nehemiah says to God, this is right in the Bible, in contrition, he says, I confess the sins, we Israelites, watch this, including myself, he was not pompous at all, including myself and my father's house have committed against you. Watch what he says next in verse 7. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands or your decrees and the laws that you gave to your servant Moses, church, hear me today. Part of intercession is seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. Did you catch that? Part of intercession is really seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. There is a word that we don't use very much anymore in the church, but it's a good word and a word that we should use. The word is repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. You see, There are times when you and I, we need to come to God and say, you know what, God, I am wrong. I'm wrong. I'm just dead wrong. And you are dead right. God, I am sinful, but you are holy. And then we need to say, and I repent. I repent. I repent for anything, God, that I have done to displease you in any way, shape or form. I repent of anything that I've done that falls short of your glory there's a hymn that puts it this way this will be a little heady for you kids if you don't understand it ask your parents when you get home and they'll explain it i love this hymn it says oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let that grace now like a fetter bind my wondering heart to thee prone to wonder Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Then in intercession, here's what the songwriter writes. So here's my heart. I love that. So here's my heart, Lord. Fix and seal it. Fix it for thy courts above. The third step to practicing intercession is seeing ourselves for who we really are and being honest with God in verbiage that says, oh God, I'm wrong. You're right. I repent. Step four, intercession is returning to God and pursuing godly character. Write that down. After Nehemiah confesses his sins and the sins of his people, he says to God, God, I know that we have wronged you. But then check this out because Nehemiah... (laughs) 
because he knows God, he starts getting bolder with God. And so he says, but God, I'm going to hold you to what you've said. He, you said, if you return to me and obey my commands, I will gather you and bring you to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. You know where that place was? Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? In intercession, you see, there's a returning to God. There is this coming back to him. Now, have you noticed the progression of intercession? This is so important. Don't miss this. I want us to get this. Intercession is the development of relationship. It is spending time with God to know him. It's spending enough time with God for God to see you and for you to see him to really see him and when we really see god for who he is we can't help but see ourselves for who we really are and when we see ourselves for who we really are we find ourselves in our hearts and in our spirits returning to god there is this constant coming back to him but we don't stop there we go on and we pursue godly character the bible says would you read this verse with me Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, this is where the rubber meets the road in vision. You see, these attributes that we've just read, these attributes are the character of God. Now, let me ask you this question here. Do you believe that this kind of character is available for us today? Do you believe that godly character can be worked into our lives through intimacy with God our Father? Do we actually believe that the Holy Spirit can make these characteristics a reality in our life? Just in case you're wondering what I'm going to say, the answer is yes, 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 yes. If we are pursuing godly character, now listen. If we are spending time in intercession, spending time getting to know God, then according to this scripture, we will be effective and productive in our Christian lives. In other words, we will be living out God's vision for our lives. Do you know why? Here's why. And this is going to make some of you cringe. But step number five puts it all together. And I just want you to know that when I wrote this, I cringed also. Because sometimes I like taking the will of my own life and say, Jesus, you sit in the passenger side for a while. I've got this, you know. Okay, here we go. Step number five, just keeping it real. Intercession, this is where it all comes together, church. Intercession is yielding to God's will. Intercession is yielding to God's will. You see, it's clear in the book of Nehemiah that he has spent enough time with God to come to the place where he had yielded to God's will. Nehemiah had yielded to the vision that God had birthed in his heart. And here's why we know this is true. Think about it. 
In 52 days, he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. That's nothing short of a miracle. That was only done through the empowerment of God. Man could never have done that. God, partnering with man, did that. But beyond that, prior to that, listen to me carefully, Nehemiah had prayed the price for vision. I didn't missay that. Nehemiah had prayed the price for vision. Nehemiah spent days mourning and fasting and praying and seeking God. He took time for some heavy duty intercession. Nehemiah took the time to know God. He took the time to see God. He took time to see himself. He took time to repent. He took time to return to God. He took time to pursue godly character. Nehemiah took time to yield himself to God. You see, yielding ourselves to God isn't something that happens overnight. That's why God took me on a year trip down the yellow brick road in Kansas. Take some time to yield to God. Church, could this be the reason why you and I struggle with vision? Could it be is because we kind of struggle yielding ourselves to God? Let's make this real practical. I, I love charts. On a scale of one to ten, how yielded are we to God today? You know, four, five. You know, today earlier I talked about God's vision for my life and all the time it took me to realize this vision. One of the things that I truly believe in my life as your pastor, and I say this humbly because I am still in the process of yielding. But church, I know that if I had not yielded to God, if Edith and I had not yielded to God and moved to Tampa or moved from Tampa to Wichita, if we had not done that 11 years ago, I would not be your pastor today. I know that. I don't think it. I know it. I had to go through that year of yielding to God. And can I say, if you would hear, if you could hear right now some of the conversations with God, they were ugly. They weren't pretty. It was hard. But I want to tell you something. I came through it, and in Kansas, I learned a very important lesson in my life, and it's spelled out beautifully in the book of Nehemiah. Don't miss this. I believe this is one of the premier lessons in the book of Nehemiah. Here it is. Through intercession, our will and God's will can become one of the same. Through intercession, our will and God's will can become one of the same. You see, through intercession, we spend with time with God and we start loving what God loves and we start hating what God hates. And through intercession, we begin to know the heart of God and we begin to see him for who he really is. Through intercession, we begin to see ourselves for who we really are and we find ourselves returning to God. Through intercession, we begin to pursue godly character. And as we pursue godly character, he begins to challenge us in this area of our will. And through intercession, he aligns, gently nudges, and he aligns our will to his will. And through intercession, God's vision and our vision become aligned through intercession, we become committed to the same things that God is committed to. And our heart is moved by the same things that move the heart of God. And through intercession, we begin to experience fulfillment and life. And we understand this is why I was created. This is God's vision that was born in his heart, then birthed in my heart. You see, this happens when we become one with God through intercession. Beautiful. 
think of it this way, just in case you're saying, boy, Harvard, that just that seems so preposterous. Well, let me give you a practical analogy. OK, one of the sweetest pictures of intimacy in this life is when you see an older couple who have been married for 40 or 50 or 60 years and they have spent so much time together that they can finish one another's sentences and they can tell what each other is thinking without even asking and they have truly become one through spending quality time together. My friends, let me tell you something. This is God's design. This is God's design for marriage. But in like manner, did you know something? Teens, look up here. We are the bride of Christ. If you're new, have you ever heard that? Maybe that's a new thought. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus is the groom and we are the bride of Christ. Do you know what that means to us? Here's what this means to us. Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. Do you know what that means? It means he longs to be in close, personal, intimate relationship with us. He longs for us to develop a relationship with him where we know him intimately. God longs for us to develop a relationship with him where we long to spend time with him. God longs for us to develop a relationship with him where he can reveal to us his plans and his vision for us. And can I say today, this morning, it is ours for taking. It is ours for the taking if we will take the time to meet him in this place of intercession. As your pastor, I want this for you. I want this so badly for you. I want this so badly for us and for Cross Point Church. And that is why I talk about prayer so much. Recently, I have been convicted again by God to spend more time in prayer and to lead this church deeper in prayer. Here's why. Listen. The role of the church is prayer. Did you know that? Prayer is the role of the church. Not if we want it to be. It is the role of the church. Let me prove it to you. Jesus didn't say pray if you want to. He gave us an imperative. Watch what he says. My house shall be called a house. That's an imperative sentence. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I know it's hard. But if we as individuals and if we as a church, if we are going to know God's vision in our life, there's no way around it. It will only come through intercession. Vision that is not born in intercession is not God's vision. Vision that comes from God's heart to our heart is only birthed in intercession. The only way. Vision is born out of God's heart and birthed in the heart of man through intercession. Intercession is the development of our relationship with God, which is our greatest key to vision. It's our greatest key to vision. Church, we see this so clearly in the story of Nehemiah. Now listen carefully. Nehemiah accomplished an incredible vision. More than any other man in the Bible, Nehemiah accomplished an incredible vision. But guess what? It started with days 
of fasting and mourning and praying and seeking the heart of God. The first action that Nehemiah took in living out vision was to take time for intercession. Because intercession, again, is our greatest key to vision. Intercession is our greatest key to vision. Let me ask you today. Can you verbalize what God's vision is for your life? Can you say in two or three sentences what God has laid on your heart to do? If intercession is the way to begin the pathway of vision, I would be a hypocrite this morning if I'd say, okay, God bless you, you're dismissed, have a great week. So here's what we're going to do. It's 11.53. I'm going to invite my wife, Edith, to come forward. And uh, we're going to sing a song called, I Will Run to You. Simple prayer course. I'm going to invite you to stand. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you would like to receive God's vision for your life, if you would like to have a better handle on what God has called you to do, then I want to urge you towards these altars this morning. I'm speaking to you as Christians, okay? So this isn't about getting saved. This is about saying, God, I really want to know what your vision is for my life. And I promise you, if you will come and kneel here at these altars this morning, and again, I nudge you, there are people within 10 or 15 seconds who will come and just gently lay their hand on your shoulder and they will pray for you that God's vision would be realized in your life. I think that that sounds like a great way to close this service. Because last night I was right here and I had five or six people who laid their hands on me and prayed for me. I know that the vision for my life that's being accomplished has been accomplished because many men and women of God have laid their hands on me and prayed for me. And so this morning, I want to nudge you towards these altars. And if you want vision for your life, there are people here who will pray for you. So Edith, would you join me? And I invite you to stand.